Hello, this is a podcast in which we discuss property adaptations for people under the Court of Protection. The Court of Protection is a specialist court who are involved in decision making for people who are unable to make decisions for themselves. My name is Maria Hobbs and I'm a paralegal in the Boys Turner Court of Protection team. Joining me today to discuss this is Anne Pearson, one of the lawyers in our team. Hi Anne, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Maria. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. So Anne, I know that you have worked within the Court of Protection field for many years and that one of the areas you enjoy is adapting a property for a client. Well, that's very true. I particularly like being involved in locating, purchasing and adapting a property. And, you know, this is a house that's likely to become their forever home and you need it to meet their needs both now and in the future. So it gives you a great feeling knowing that you've actually been a part of something that's such a positive, major part of their lives. I can imagine. So when adapting a property for a wheelchair user, what key design elements would you say would need to be in place internally at the property? Well, there are a number of things that you'd need to keep in mind for a wheelchair user. And some of them are obvious and some of them not so much. An example is, Something that's obvious would be a front door and a back door. You know that they need to be wide enough so that a wheelchair can go through. But what a lot of people don't realise and what is less obvious is that we also need what's called a level threshold. You and I, when stepping in through a front door or a back door, maybe don't even notice that you actually step over a threshold. Um, But obviously a wheelchair user wouldn't be able to get over that. So By a level threshold, it basically means that it is something that is completely level with the ground that's either side of it, which enables a wheelchair to go through easily. That's really good that you've actually pointed that out because you're right, the threshold is less obvious, so I definitely wouldn't have thought of it. Well, no, I mean, you need to look at all floor levels, really. So your starting point would be the doors. You then look at floor levels on the inside of the property. Are they all the same? Are there any steps? Um, And obviously, if there are steps, you've got to see how you can change that. You are looking at a wheelchair user at the end of the day. You'd need to look at how much ground floor space the property would have. And, you know, some properties ideal, but don't have a lot. So do you need to install a lift? And if you need to install a lift, what sort of lift would you need to install? You could have a full lift with doors like you'd find in a shop. Or you could have a a half through floor lift. And that is pretty much how it sounds. It's a very small lift that probably only big enough for a wheelchair user and and has only got half a door, not the full doors that you would normally see with a lift, but goes all the way up to the first floor. And it would basically mean that they could access both parts of the property. You'd also need to look at such things as whether the wheelchair user could transfer themselves from, say, their wheelchair to their bed or to the toilet. Um, If they can't, then you'd need to look at installing a ceiling track hoist. And then there'd be other items of, uh, you know, specialist equipment. There'd be a specialist bath, for example, that not only would support the client while they were in the bath, but it would actually rise and fall so that both the client and the carers would be safe for all times. You may then find that you'd need what's called a changing table. If you imagine you've got a client who needs a hoist and they need to have a bath, 
and you're potentially getting them changed on their bed in their bedroom, but then you've got to hoist them without any clothes on into a bathroom. Whereas with something like a specialist changing table, you're able to maintain their dignity and get them changed in the bathroom like you or I would and in and out of the bath and then dressed again, again, Mm. like you or I would. I was just thinking the same, actually. A client being able to maintain their dignity is so important. Well, it is. And and there are many items of specialist equipment. Um, You could even get um, things like rise and fall worktops in a kitchen or a rise and fall sink. So, you know, if the client wanted to wash up, then you'd lower it. But if a carer or family member were washing up, you'd raise it again. And the same would apply to a sink in a bathroom. You could actually get those that can go up and down. You can get specialist toilets that, you know, potentially can wash and dry the client as well, which, you know, it's surprising, would give them a feeling of independence. And the biggest challenge, to be honest, that, again, is is one of those things that isn't necessarily obvious to people, is actually a turning circle for a wheelchair user. Now, you, you imagine you've got a, car- a corridor in um, a house or even a room with a lot of furniture and you've got somebody who's in a wheelchair. Can that person turn completely around in that wheelchair without hitting anything? If they can, then they've got a complete turning circle. So it would, it's just something that maybe is obvious once pointed out, but you need to bear in mind. And then you can get more specialist things such as you know, communication technology, um, such as something like eye gaze. And there are apps that you can add to equipment like that. And an, an example that I can give you is I've got a client who's an eye gaze user. He's a wheelchair user and he lives in a home with his family and he has carers. But we want to enable him to feel as independent as possible. So we've installed some specialist sensors onto the internal doors in the house which are linked to his eye gaze machine, which basically means that as he approaches the door, the door opens automatically. He's not relying on other people. And that obviously gives him a great feeling. I mean, that's amazing. The technology available is literally life-changing. Oh, it is. And we frequently install all sorts of things like that. We can install therapy and sensory rooms for clients. And these rooms can have lots of helpful items such as cinema screens or music or specialist lighting and in fact I've got one client where we've actually purchased something a little more unusual and that's a musical waterbed um, it's quite amazing to be honest it it means that the client's on the bed comfortable and supported and it can be used for both relaxation and therapy or um, what's most amazing about it is the fact that it's actually got a docking station for an iPhone So you stick some music on, stick your iPhone into the docking station and the bed actually vibrates to the music. And I have to say the client enjoyed it, but I've given it a try as well. And to be honest, I wanted to take it home with me. (laughs) What needs need to be considered when adapting a property for a child with disabilities and their family, especially if the property will be their forever home? Well, we always you know, work with families when adapting a home for their child. And especially, like you say, it's going to be their forever home. So you'd look at what the child needed. But what you've got to bear in mind is they're a child now 
but at some point they're going to be an adult and as you say this is likely to be their forever home so we actually need to adapt it as if they're already an adult the last thing you would want to do is to adapt a house move the family in and then at some point in the future have to adapt it all over again because they're an adult so we start as if they're already an adult it it doesn't matter that they are a child um so you know the door widening we would still do the um ceiling track hoist we would still do the specialist equipment we would still do and you know the the property will meet the child's needs but it it just means that you know as they grow as they maybe get more carers um as the family changes that property is always going to meet their needs. What are the requirements for property adaptations when carers are involved would you say? Well the requirements for carers working in the property would be such things as a bedroom for them to specifically use, a seating area for them to take their breaks, a bathroom for them to use and what can be described as a kitchenette type of area with some cooking facilities and a fridge maybe. And quite often we'd need to include an area for a desk um, because carers quite often have to do daily records for the client. So what the best way to describe it really is if you say it's something along the lines of what a bedsit would look like and we're just installing something that's like a bedsit but within the client's home. And you know, we aim to have the carers as close to the client as possible for when the client needs them. But at the same time, maybe slightly separated from the family area so that, you know, that the family is able to have family time and have some privacy when they require it. Hmm. So there are obviously people that have disabilities, but may or may not be wheelchair users. Can you give us an example of um, a property adaptation that you have been involved in where the adaptations involved are more specialised? So, um, you know, some to cater for somebody who's got a sensory impairment like sight. I have actually worked on a property for a client who suffered a serious brain injury as a small child, has ongoing disabilities as a result, and whilst not presently a wheelchair user, are likely to be at some point in the future. So firstly, we adapted the property as if they were already a wheelchair user. So, you know, the doors were widened. There was a ramp that we put in. Um, But this particular client, their main disability at the time of adapting the house was that they had very reduced sight. And she was able to see only certain colours. So, for example, white is a colour that she really can't see. But the best colours that she can see are actually royal blue and red. So when you think about a kitchen or a bathroom, which would ordinarily be white, the, you know, the position we got in is we want the client to be as independent as possible. So how can we achieve that? Knowing that, you know, the best colours for her are this deep blue and red. So what we actually did was we installed a wet room with a sink and a toilet And the sink was a specialist wash and dry toilet to help with the client's independence. When you think, well, yeah, okay, no problem. But where we sort of went slightly outside of the box is the fact that the toilet was actually royal blue. It had a red toilet seat and a red handle for flushing. We had a royal blue sink that had red taps. Now, that may sound really weird, but for the client, it worked particularly well 
she was able to use it without the assistance of others. So it meant that she felt empowered and independent in relation to, you know, being able to provide for her own care. And <laughs> funnily enough, we actually did continue the same blue and red theme inside and outside this house. Um, in the kitchen, we did the blue and red with, you know, red worktops with blue cupboards. And then, you know, we, we kept in mind the client's um, poor vision. So we installed something like one of these magnetic hobs where you have specialist magnetic saucepans that go on it. So as soon as that's taken off of the hob, the heat goes away, which reduces the risk of the client burning themselves. And then, you know, there were more specialised individual items of equipment for this particular client, such as talking jugs, which are quite incredible. Um, but as I've mentioned, it didn't stop there. We actually continued this outside. We had a garden that sloped downwards at the back. So, we, you know, we needed to look at what we could do for the client's independence, but to keep her safe because she has some body weakness. So she can fall if on uneven ground. So we installed a patio, which, you know, was immediately outside of the house. But because of the risk of falling, rather than slabs or decking, which we would normally have, we actually installed a specialised rubber patio, a bit like you'd find in a children's playground. But to enable the client to see it clearly, we did it in a royal blue and red checkerboard effect, you know, like a chessboard. And it actually looked quite amazing. But then, although there were steps to go down to the lawn, which the family or the carers could use, that wasn't safe for this client. So we actually installed a garden lift, which meant that she gets in the little lift on the patio, goes down to the lawn and is able to enjoy it with the rest of the family. And that's great. I really like the fact that the colour scheme was implemented throughout the whole property. It's such a simple adaptation that can make the world of difference as ultimately it, it is the client's space as well as their family space. So that way they can both enjoy their property. That's right. So we've spoken about um, interior property adaptations. What about the exterior side of things? What exterior property adaptations would be required for wheelchair users in particular? Well, we'd look at the immediate area around the house. So from the front door, from the back door, you know, is the front a different height? Is the back a different height? Do we need a ramp, for example, um, for easy access in and out of either the front or the back? And then if we do need a ramp, we've got to make sure that the gradient of the ramp is not too steep because obviously, you, as you can imagine, if it's too steep, it's unsafe. At the front of the property, we'd look at things like the, the level of the front garden, the size of the drive. You know, do we need parking? Does the client have a specialist vehicle? To be honest, if they're in a wheelchair, they're likely to have. So you've got to have enough space to accommodate that. The carers are quite often going to have vehicles. There's got to be enough space for that. And the family might have a vehicle. So again, enough space. You might install something like a carport so that, you know, if there was particularly bad weather, the client could be taken from the vehicle to the house, basically without getting them wet, hopefully. In the back garden, we'd aim to have level pathways so that the client could access the garden quite easily. We'd also look at things like sensory items because they are quite important. We'd have maybe raised planters that could have colourful flowers or even herbs that smell nice. We may go with water features because, again, 
it's something nice for the client. I mean, our aim is always to be that the client is able to access all parts of both their house and the garden, whether they're a wheelchair user or not. And I've got one client who particularly loves music. And as a result of that, when we were adapting his house in the garden, we followed quite a musical theme. And he actually has a drum kit where we've adapted it so that plants are growing out of it, which he particularly enjoys. Oh, that's so lovely. I would have never thought of something like that. Now, are there any security measures that can be put in place at the property offering help in an emergency? Now, that could be to either a disabled person living on their own or even those that live with their family. Oh, that's another good question. There is a range of security features that can be installed at a client's property. I mean, most clients have family or carers with them pretty much all of the time who can assist a lot with safety and security. But we still try and ensure that we've installed all the items that they need to keep them safe. This could be an alarm system, which is perhaps linked to the local police station or a smoke alarm system that could be linked to a fire station. And frequently we would install CCTV both inside and outside of the house because that's an added layer of security both for the client and their carers and family members. And an, an example of something where it's slightly different to that, but is for security is I've got a client who's an adult. He's got an acquired brain injury and he actually lives on his own. Um, and now living on his own works quite well for him. But the problem is that he's developed seizures and he, you know, it, it's a case of, well, how do we keep him safe? He's on his own. And that's an, an issue, especially at night, because that's pretty much when he has most of his seizures. So what we've actually done is we've been able to purchase a seizure monitor. Now, that is actually linked to an external monitoring company. So should it be triggered because he's having a seizure during the night, they are able to try and make contact with him or his family. Or if necessary, they can actually call an ambulance. And what we've done is we've installed a key safe outside the house that the alarm company have the code for, which means that if an ambulance has to be called, they can provide the ambulance crew with the code. That means the ambulance crew can then access the house and give the client whatever treatment that they need. I mean, basically, what we always do is we look at each individual client's needs. And that, again, is, is both now and in the future. We would adapt their house specifically for them. And again, it's to meet all of those needs now and in the future and to give them a safe and happy environment in the hope that we can help them achieve both a feeling of independence and empowerment. And I have to say, there is absolutely no better feeling than seeing the end of a project where you've adapted the house and the client's joy in their new home. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It must be really rewarding for you. And thank you so much for talking to me on this podcast and giving us an interesting insight into the needs of a disabled person and examples of some of the clients you work with. Thank you, Maria. Bye. And finally, if you would like more information, please go to boysturnerclaims.com and look for the link to quarter protection. Thank you for listening and goodbye.